This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, uh, California, good morning. Of course, uh, it's January, and it's a little cool here, but it's sunny. How's New York? Um, it's fairly cold. It's sunny. I mean, people think that New York weather isn't good, but New York City weather actually is not bad. It's cold, but it's it's almost always sunny here. We have We have better weather than where I grew up, which is upstate New York where the weather was either raining or snowing. Yeah, it was always kind of foggy up there. And you guys aren't far from the park, so it's a great place to take the kids, isn't it? Oh, definitely. I mean, I love Central Park because I think sometimes when you're feeling bad and you're feeling stressed and you're grieving, there's something about getting into nature. And even in New York City, you can go to nature when you go to Central Park. So, yeah, there's something about getting into nature and getting out and walking for everybody out there that's grieving that I think helps heal, helps heal you. And kind of restores you when you get out and kind of get into nature. Yeah, and you know, uh, those lights, uh, a lot of people have talked about these lights. If you're uh, light-deprived, that there's special lights you can buy, right, Heidi? They have, and uh, some of my clients have them, and they, they said that they really work. I mean, you're supposed to sit under them, I think, a half an hour a day. You can get them online, and they actually just help kind of shift your energy and, and make you feel better because... In the winter, we, we often don't, even if it's sunny, we often don't get enough light. We're not outside as much, and you really, your body really needs light. Absolutely, and especially when you're grieving, light is, uh, I don't know, it was always really helpful to me. And as Heidi said, uh, she grew up in upstate New York, Rochester, and when Scott died, we were up there, and there's not a lot of light up there. So I, I think this light thing could be a really good idea. Well, Heidi, we've got a, a great show today on parenting grieving children, and I know there's so many people uh, you know, who are concerned about their kids, and I was certainly concerned about you and uh, Rebecca and Heather after Scott died. And um, I will tell you, well, introduce Anne, because she uh, has written a, a really amazing, complete book about um, parenting grieving children. Yes, and Anne is one of our authors at Open to Hope. If you want to read more of, of the things she's written, um, our guest is Anne Berenberg, and Anne's husband died of a heart attack when her sons were only nine years old. Four years later, her children's friend was murdered uh, after a woman entered their school with a gun. She's helped many grieving children and their parents. She is a licensed clinical psychologist, and she is the author of a wonderful book called 10 Steps for Parenting Your Grieving Children. Welcome to the show, Anne. Thank you very much. It's great to have you on, Anne. And I want to remind people, um, Anne does write for us, and her husband is Jack Kane, and he also... And uh, you, if you enjoy this show, and I'll mention it again at the end, you might want to go to our September 24th, 2009 show. You can go to our on our website, go to our shows, and go to the September 24th, 2009, and you can hear Anne and Jack uh, on that radio show talking about another book they co-authored, Overcoming Crushing Grief by Living in the Present. Well, Anne, can uh, I just say something, Mom, real quick? Yeah. Our listeners who are probably going, wait a minute. Anne's husband died of a heart attack when her sons are nine, but Anne has a husband named Jack. I don't get it. <laughs> right. The story is Anne went on and remarried. So the guy that died is not Jack, obviously, just to clarify. Okay, Anne, I'm sorry. I just need to clear that up. So <laughs> welcome. Correct. I'd like to clarify one other thing, too, is that one of my sons was nine, but the other one was only four. Oh, okay. One, one of your sons was nine and one was four. 
That's right. Very good. Okay, thank you. All right. Well, Anne, I think this book, I was telling Heidi, uh, I said i got to shoot this to you uh, when the show's over because uh, Heidi teaches. Um, Heidi, what's your class you're teaching this semester? It's a clinical practice with children. So I love what what you've written about, and my mom's going to send me the book um, so that I can look at it and talk to my students about how to work with kids from a clinical perspective. And, you know, that's the big the big thing, as you know, that parents... Parents are always saying, how do I help my kids and does a loss destroy their lives? I think it would be very helpful for that, really in several different ways. First, the message of the book is no loss doesn't destroy their lives. It changes them, but it contains them in a way that makes them deeper, more empathic, more resilient human beings. And also that there are things that you can do as a parent that, that, that will help that process, that healing process, and help your own healing process. And the book uh, gives both uh, vignettes of, you know, which parents can identify with, of things that happened uh, to real people, whether they were some of the, the authors or to our clients. And it also... Uh, gives little scripts of, you know, what can you say when such and such a situation comes around? Right. Really good. Well, I know one thing you say um, is to support children in the natural grieving process. I really like that, Anne. I, don't you, Heidi, the natural grieving process? Because, you know, people think, I mean, it's just the way it is. We're, we're going to be grieving. And I love the fact that you call it a natural grieving process. It is. And children can feel pain, they can feel deep pain, and we can't uh, keep that from them sometimes, but we can help them to see pain as something that they can get through and that they can uh, love deeply, mourn deeply, remember fondly, and then grow and be resilient and find joy in the rest of their lives. Now, what do you see as the difference between child grief and adult grief? Well, there are a number of differences. Um, children, uh, first place, for adults, oftentimes uh, grief comes in crashing waves of deep sadness. And for children, it tends to be more like choppy waters with uh, times of Sadness or irritability or distraction or uh, feeling um, hopeless and then times when they're happily plain. So that's one difference. And the other one is that it can come out in, in these ways that we don't necessarily uh, identify with grief. Um, and... For example, irritability and anger, and I can tell you a little story if you want uh, that comes from the book about that. Mm-hmm. Would you like to hear it? Sure. As long as it's brief. <laughs> okay. Well, this is a story that we talk about in the book, and uh, there's a mother, Laura, with her five-year-old son, Sammy, and she is making him a peanut butter sandwich and feeling good that there's something she can do for him. This is about a month or so after her husband has died, uh, and she puts it in front of him, and Sammy says, I don't like it. And Mom says, what do you mean you don't like it? And he says, I hate it. 
it's no good. I hate strawberry jam. And she said, well, yesterday you loved strawberry jam. What's wrong? Well, I don't like it now. So she takes it away and puts on grape jelly and puts it back in front of him. And he says, this is yucky. Nothing you do is right. Nothing is right anymore. And mom feels very hurt because she's doing her very best to hold things together for Sammy. And starts to say, well, young man, um, if that's the way you feel, lunchtime is over. But then she stops and thinks, wait a minute, ding dong, he said something very important here. Nothing feels right anymore. Ah, nice. Yeah, and so she bends down and puts her arm around him and says, Sammy, I understand. Nothing feels right since Daddy died. Lots of things Mm -hmm. have changed. Things are different. Mm-hmm. I am your mom, and but and I love you, but I can't bring Daddy back. But I can be your mommy still, and I can still take care of you, and I can still make you peanut butter sandwiches, even if they're not as good as Daddy's. And that way she was on her child's side and empathizing with his sense that his whole world had been disrupted and finding a way that together they could join that feeling, and then move on toward being resilient. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a great story and a great example of of how we can use even their words. I like that, don't you, Heidi? Absolutely, and how how sometimes what kids say is a metaphor for what they're going through. Yeah. You know, it's like nothing. Everything has changed. Nothing is the same. Absolutely. Well, I want to ask you about uh, coping with aloneness is one of the th- uh, things you talk about in the book. Yeah, and. Um, you know, one of the other things that's different about children's grief is that children's grief comes in a context. And so children aren't just, you know, on their own the way we are uh, as adults. They're there in their family, but they can... So aloneness doesn't mean literally they're living by themselves anymore the way it can for a, a, a bereft adult. But it does mean that they can get isolated uh, actually very quickly because other children can be scared, uh, and adults too, actually, by the thought of a friend of theirs uh, losing a parent or a sibling, and they're afraid that that child has cooties. And so that one of the things that uh, you need to do as a parent, as a professional working with kids, and absolutely in partnership with the school, is to reach out very quickly to uh, get people to know that there's been a loss, to know that this child is still their friend, that he or she is still needing to be together with other kids, and to be very proactive about it, uh, because People will shy away and not know what to say. And you can even give mm-hmm. uh, children, other children and parents words to say of, I'm sorry your daddy died. You know, let's come over and, and uh, go play in the park. Uh, and another, another issue I've seen with kids is when they've lost a parent, they're really afraid the other parent's going to die. And I was wondering, in that case, what, what do we say to kids that are terrified that the other parent is going to die? Um, There's several things we can do, and we can deal with it as a a source of anxiety and say that 
children, that all of us have a part of our brain, which we can call our worry brain or Mr. Worry. And that part of our brain uh, tells us that something that only happens every once in a while or happens uh, under very rarely is going to happen right away and all the time. And it gets triggered when we are in situations where it seems like the, the threat that comes again. But we can use the... And, and that part of our brain was really helpful back when there were uh, we were uh, cavemen and women. And, uh, you know, there were poisonous snakes and stuff like that, and we had to... Uh, be ready at the first sight of a snake to jump out of the way because it, you know, and, and our brain thought, gee, even if it's a stick, I better jump out of the way. But now we can use our 21st century brain and stop and think and say, well, maybe it's not a snake. It might just be a stick. Let me think. And in the same way, we can say, Daddy died, and that's scary, but I know that Mommy is healthy, is going is taking good care of herself, and that it's my worry brain that's telling me that mommy's going to die. So I'm going to boss back the worry brain and say, "Mommy is here with me. She's not going to go away. I have other people who take care of me. I miss daddy, and I love him." You know, I like that uh, personification of Mr. Worry. I was even thinking, Heidi, that uh, you could uh, maybe have your child draw a picture of Mr. Worry and put what the worries are or whatever, and uh, here comes Mr. Worry again. I really like labeling it. Yes, and drawing a picture is a great idea, Gloria. Um, and kids do that and draw a picture of Mr. Worry and, and say all the, all the exaggerated and un things that Mr. Worry is trying to get them to worry about, and then they can knock them down one by one, and even sometimes it works to put it on note cards, and you put what Mr. Worry says on one side, and you put what the child wants to say back to Mr. Worry on the other side, and kids can hang on to those and and use them for uh, cue cards. I love it. I think I better make a Mr. Worry for myself. I don't know. What about you, Heidi? I was just thinking that. I was just thinking the exact same thing. You could do this with adults. You could do this with anybody. Yeah, I love it. Well, let's talk about some of the healing, um, the points you've made that you can do uh, with kids. I liked your idea of making an appointment for grieving. There are kind of two different ones. The appointment for grieving oftentimes is the one for the parent. Okay. (laughs) Because uh, one of the problems for parents is that we're overwhelmed by taking care of our kids, and sometimes we just get overwhelmed and start to break down in front of them, and while it's fine to, you know, tear up sometimes and cry, we don't want to be completely falling apart in front of them because that's scary for them, and it can also lead to children feeling they have to parent us, so that if we make appointments for ourselves for grieving, either saying, you know, I'm going to take a shower and I'm going to let it all out in there, or I'm going to meet a friend on the driveway and I'm going to stop in her arms for 10 minutes and then pull myself back together, then we can be there for the kids. For the for children, sometimes it helps to have um, special time. 
I think there are, there are a couple things that can, it certainly can help to have a, a kind of ritualized observance for them of, you know, lighting a candle or whatever, or to have a special... It's always important to have a special time each day with your child to really be with them and for them to know that you are there listening to them, whatever it is they want to do with that time. And it may be talking about the missing person and about grieving and how sad they are. Oftentimes it comes before bedtime. Or it may be that they just want to sit down and play sorry with you. And that's okay, too. Yeah, we find that, don't we, Heidi? Absolutely, especially children, definitely. The main thing we were trying to avoid here is having children lose their other parent because one parent has died or because a sibling has died, because the parent can get so wrapped up in their own mourning and grief, very understandably, that they become, without knowing it, they become distant from the child. You know, you know, Anne, one of the things that we talk, Heidi and I have talked about quite a bit is you do lose the parents you knew. When you, when you have two parents who lose a child, you lose your parents, don't you, Heidi? I think you lose the emotional availability of the parents you once knew, at least temporarily, and it's scary because you're wondering, am I ever going to get the parents back that I once had, or is this my new life? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to say one thing for our folks out there um, and suggesting that, you know, you do you do this time with your kids and, and that kind of thing. I know you're feeling exhausted if you've had a loss recently. Bring in some other people to spend time with, particularly little kids or hold babies or what, so that you can have some time when you're not exhausted. Um, you can't do it all. It's It's just the way, you know, it's a Grieving is a very intense process, very draining. So pull in some people to help you. Talk a little bit about relaxation uh, techniques for children, and I thought that was really interesting. The relaxation techniques, uh, you know, they can be very helpful for parent and child, and they're really two different ones we talked about here. One is, you know, simply lying on your tummy on the floor because that forces you to take the deep uh, belly breaths that are truly relaxing. And as you and the child lie on the floor, you can put your hand on the child's back. And then as the child breathes in and out, come up with a little mantra that really <laughs> works for the child and whether it's, I am okay, I can do it, or God is with me. And that is profoundly relaxing and help and healing. Another one, which we may not have time to go through all the way here, but it's we call Rainbow Relax, and it involves um, uh, tightening each part of the body, starting with the toes and working your way up, and you tighten that part of the body, you give it a color, and then you say, like your toes, tighten your toes, out there, let them go. And that's so the child tightens the muscles and relaxes them. Then you say they're glowing purple. And then you move up to the legs. Tighten your legs. Okay, let it go. Shake it out. And now they're wonderful. Glow. You have glowing purple legs, up feet and glowing purple legs. And you go all the way up the body with that. And that is profoundly relaxing for kids. And it gives them a way of purposely tighten up and then 
feeling their body relax and knowing how to do it. Let's let's end with one last uh, thing that I found, and and then I want you to uh, talk about where people can reach you. But uh, the last thing I want to end with that you say is encourage your children to have hopes and dreams. Life isn't just about the pain of loss. It's about children's natural growth. It's about finding who they are and reinforcing that they are somebody who has something to offer to the world, that they are resilient people with talents and interests, and you can nurture those. Uh, just as you nurture each little moment in the day when there is something positive to hang on to and you notice that and you talk about it, or each time you see your child bouncing back, you also encourage them to think, I've got a future. I've, there is more to my life than the pain I'm feeling now. I am somebody who counts. I love that. I love that. Don't you, Heidi? Absolutely, yes. We are more than the pain we are feeling now. And, and, you know, I love how you talk about the post-traumatic growth that comes, the growth that comes after loss. When you talk about kids being more empathic and kids being more resilient, there are things that happen after we've had great adversity. We, we become stronger in many ways, and children grow, often grow from this, these adversities. Yeah, uh, it, it's, there's some pretty, I think that the empathy that kids develop children after they've had a loss is pretty amazing. Well, Anne, tell us uh, how people can get a hold of your book and your website, and uh, please visit Anne on our site, opentohope.com, and you can listen to her radio show and uh, and also go on our forums that are there. So, Anne, you want to talk about how we can get in touch with you? Yes, uh, our website is grieving-children.com. And from there, you can get uh, links to uh, look inside the book and to Amazon and to Centering Corporation, which carries it. You can also go directly to Amazon.com and find the book under 10 Steps for Parenting Your Grieving Children or under my name, Anne Berenberg, B-E-R-E-N-B-E-R-G. And uh, you can email me at info at grieving-children.com. All right. Well, Anne, thank you so much for being on the show today. And thanks for all the work that you've done uh, writing these books. And uh, thank you for being a contributor to Open to Hope. Thank you, Anne. And thank you for helping children find hope after loss. No, it is really fulfilling to do that. Thank you. Well, Heidi, uh, isn't it uh, great the work Anne's doing? And this, uh, as I said to you, is a, an amazing book. It's so complete and so helpful. And uh, there are so many things in there that could help families. Because I know uh, when Scott died, you know, my big worry was for the kids and certainly just trying to survive myself. But, you know, you worry about other people, but you, you're you pretty exhausted. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This, is, this would be such a great book for every parent out there that is worried about their children. And I think... That's pretty much all parents that have had the death of a child or the death of a spouse. You really, really worried about your kids, like you said, Mom. Absolutely. Well, thanks for listening to the Open to Hope show, and we'll look forward to having you listen next week. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. 
You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.